Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Father-Son Packers podcast, your source for Packers news, notes, and analysis. My name is Tommy, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, my dad, Matt. Dad, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm here. I'm home. I'm uh, at my usual spot. Um, it's just me and the dogs this week, so they're in here with the room with me to help me out in case I forget something, which, you know, that could happen. Or I could, you know, knock something over in the middle of the recording, and they'll they'll, they'll fix it for me. So just you and the dogs, and they've they've already started talking to you, is what you're saying. You've already you're already, already starting to have full conversations with them. All I heard was this voice dog saying, "The bears still suck." That was you know I, ah. I think I'm pretty sure it was I'm pretty sure it was one of those two. And here I was thinking our dogs were kind of airheads. So it turns out they they know a little <laughs> bit about something. But anyway, yes, like you said, Dad. But most importantly, we're kind we haven't even gotten to it yet. But football is really almost upon us. We are recording Wednesday night, the less than 24 hours from the Lions-Chiefs game in the kickoff of the official season. The Packers-Bears game, first game of the year, is on Sunday. I I can't hide my excitement. I am brimming with it. I Words fail me to describe it. Dad, how excited are you for the football season to start? <laughs> it is exciting. I've been, I've been obsessing over my uh, various fantasy team lineups and trying to figure out who I can grab last minute and who should... To replace injured players, which we'll talk about some. And um, how many hours of football do you plan on watching this Sunday? Seven hours of commercial-free football starts now. <laughs> and then the Sunday Night Football game. That's not the only all, downside, that's not all of it. I know. And the only downside is, I'll have a little nap in there, don't worry. But the only downside <laughs> is, there's no 6 a.m. game. I just wish I just wish there was a 6 a.m. game. That would have been should do the six. They should start the season off with a 6 a.m. game first weekend. In London, I would, of football. I would I would be game for it, although, you know, they'd probably lose a lot. Well, no, I'd probably be fine. I was going to say, week one of the NFL season and a home stadium is probably a big part of the revenue. But anyway, that's not important. We are here today to preview the Packers-Bears game because this is a huge game, Dad. It's got tons of implications for the future, tons of implications for the season, so many storylines to talk about, so many, so much trash talking that's gone on over so the last few months. So much trash talking to be you know, actually meaningful trash talk to be set up by this game as opposed to just making up trash talk before the game when you're basing the trash on how much trash their team was. I'm not quite sure what they're doing. But we have so much to talk about. But before that, just a couple line items. Um, after this week, we will be switching to doing two episodes a week going forward. We'll be doing a post-game after every game and a pre-game after every game. And then maybe a few emergency podcasts here and there as needed. Uh, but we'll be trying to do those post-games on Sundays right after the game. And then pre-games on Wednesdays going forward. So keep your eye out for that. If you want to get notified whenever we have new episodes, come and give us a follow on Twitter, at FatherSonPacker. Uh, we tweet out when we have new episodes out. We also retweet articles we find interesting, pieces of Packers news that are very important, any videos that we find very interesting. Pretty much one-stop shopping for anything you might need Packers-wise. So come give us a follow there. Once again, that's at FatherSonPacker. We really appreciate it. And if you like what you hear here today, uh, come get, subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice. Uh, we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc. We're also on YouTube. And if you want to come subscribe to us on YouTube, it would really help our numbers. We put all our episodes out there as well. But yeah, you know, come give us a follow, come subscribe, come give us a few likes, come interact with us on Twitter. We love answering questions. We love giving our thoughts on stuff. Even if it's unsolicited, we do that all the time for free on here. So come listen to our unsolicited thoughts and opinions. But anyway, Dad, we have <laughs> you mean a lot to talk. Asking us? 
People aren't soliciting our opinions. They're not begging for our opinions on every available platform. Uh, not yet. Not yet, at least. But anyway, um, thank you again so much for listening. Let's get into it, though, because we have a lot to talk about. And, Dad, let's start with some news and notes around the Packers. Not a whole lot going on news-wise besides some injuries that we'll talk about in a second. But the first thing is a couple items on the depth chart that I don't know if we necessarily found surprising, but we found important enough to mention. You want to take it away on that one? Yeah, so on the on the depth chart, they list now officially Reed ahead of Touré um, in the slot. Deguara ahead of Kraft, which I guess shouldn't be too surprising if you consider Deguara to be uh, tight end. I'm curious exactly, you know, what the two tight end sets will be, though, whether that means that uh, Deguara will be on there. They didn't list, you know, various alignments. So the defensive alignment is not nickel, and the offensive alignment was um, 11 personnel. But uh, they had, and they had uh, Van Ness ahead of Hollins, which I was a little surprised at. They had... uh, um, Hollins and Cox as sort of the third team of edge rush, rushers and in the second team along with an yeah and I think it's a little surprising because Hollins did seem like he was ahead of Van Ness almost the whole summer but it's nice to see you know them I like they've said this is a year for growth and development and if you're not getting your first round pick on the field you're kind of you're not really doing mm-hmm. that this is, I guess, the best way of saying it. But those are the main news and notes items, Dad. But the real news and notes is the so far injury report for the Packers and Bears this week, which we will get to now as we're getting into the actual, our first official pregame of the year, Dad. How exciting. Um, not exciting, however, is the injury report so far. So this is as of Wednesday, uh, Wednesday's practice. For the Packers, uh, David Bakhtiari, did not participate uh, for vet rest and his knee. That's kind of to be expected. What was not expected, however, was that Christian Watson uh, and Romeo Dobbs um, were non-participants with hamstring injuries. Christian Watson, the more surprising of the two, because we pretty much just heard about this today, and it came out of nowhere. He was on the bike yeah, at practice, is, apparently. What happened over Labor Day weekend? Right? It's like you've had two weeks since your last game. Like, what What has been going on? Like They, they yeah. ran practice and, last week, and... We knew about Dobbs' injury, been going on for a little while, and then the Watson injury just hits you out of nowhere today. Like, wait, 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 what? He's not practicing today? Okay, we got yeah. all rookies. Yeah, pretty much. It's going to be a bit of a graveyard if those two guys can't go. That is going to be something to really keep an eye on because I think that swings that that could swing the game. That like That's important enough where yeah. it could swing the game. If you don't have your two starting outside receivers week one, and they're both hamstring injuries that can linger, and we'll talk about that in a bit in a second. But let's 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 get through the rest of the injury report, and then we'll talk about Dobbs and Watson because I think those two are the most important to talk about uh, for the Packers. Rashawn Gary was a limited participant with his knee injury. Sounds like it's going well though, and he's going to play Week One, uh, albeit on a pitch count. Then Dontavian Wicks was limited with a hamstring injury of his own. Apparently, they're contagious, uh, and then. Anthony Johnson Jr. was listed uh, with a knee injury, but he was a full participant. If you remember, this kind of popped up a week or two ago um, where he tried going out to practice and then his knee was bothering him. Um, but so it's nice yeah, to see him as a full about, participant. Heard about that from Andy Herman uh, at practice that he what looked off when he first came out of the building and then went back in. I forget how long. Yeah, it may have been two weeks ago. The Wicks thing, I feel like, is an improvement over where he was a couple weeks ago after he pulled up with a hamstring injury in preseason game two, I think it was. 
Good to see That's... he had to leave that leave that game early. Yeah, that sounds right. And then on the Bears side, uh, Jaquan Brisker was a limited participant on Wednesday with a groin injury. Eddie Jackson, um, so both these, these players are defensive backs, was a limited participant with an ankle injury. Demarcus Walker, one of their D linemen, was also limited with a calf injury. And then Dylan Cole, one of their linebackers, was a DNP with a hamstring injury. But, Dad, let's talk a little bit again, like we were going to say, about Dobbs and Watson, because these two are two really important players for the Packers. And I'll just give you a little bit of a stat. Um, this is from Edwin Porras on Twitter. He is at FB Injury Doc. Um, but this stat, so since 2018, wide receivers who didn't practice on Wednesday were out for the game 53% of the time. Now, the numbers that, tell me any, that that means... That's for, that's for any injury? Not that's how I understood. It wasn't hamstring specific. Yes, that's how I understood the tweet as well. It was just for any injury. So that would lead me to believe that they will probably only have one of these guys. I'm going to guess it's Dobbs, given that Watson's injury seems to be more recent. Uh, Dobbs, as we know, was at least two weeks ago. But the fact that it's been two weeks and he's still a DNP isn't exactly ideal. Dad, where do you yeah, stand on all of this? Because it's not great. And Watson last year struggled with a hamstring injury as well. Yeah, the DNP is the most disturbing part about this with the hamstrings. Like, okay, we don't even know how severe it is, but it's too severe to do anything. Did you see if they hear anything about whether they're in the building or were they rehabbing inside? So what I saw today, and I cannot remember who tweeted it out, I'm sorry, was that Watson was on the side on a bike and then Dobbs was participating in stretching at least. But So that means Watson was not participating in stretching. So that's not great. Uh, just to be on a bike on the side and that's all you can do on the day. It's it's not good. I would I would say yeah. that today was some pretty bad news for the Packers in terms of like looking forward to not just this week but going forward. Hamstring injuries are notoriously fickle. I mean, you had a little bit of information yeah. on how much time Watson missed just last right. year. With so this. you wanted me to look this up. So I, I dug into uh, Watson's hamstring injury from last year. So he injured it either during in the game week two or early in the week week three. But he popped up with a hamstring injury in the first injury report of week three last year. So he missed week three, um, was limited in weeks four and five. He had 18 snaps in each after having 40 snaps in week one and 22 in, in week two. And then he re-aggravated in week five, missed all of six and seven. He basically he missed three games and was limited in two others, though part of it was because he re-aggravated. So when he yeah. re-aggravated it, he after the re-aggravation, he missed two full weeks, you could say. And that's the, that's the thing about hamstring injuries is they're, they're notoriously easy to re-aggravate. I mean, we've just seen this with Cooper Cup with the Rams. I mean, it sounds like they might even put him on IR with his hamstring injury after re-aggravating it, Sean McVay said today. Right. We've, we see it with, we're seeing it all around the league. And the I think, fact you know, that you know what this Watson... Really... Go ahead, sorry. Oh, you know what I was going to say what this must really mean about re-aggravation? They don't wait long enough. But that's the thing with hamstrings. Apparently, it is very hard to tell, like, without going what is it, what's 100% in hundred percent in game, like, whether or not it's it's actually back all the way. And that's why I think part of it is just it's hard to, like, identify. I'm It's a big muscle. But it's not good for the Packers. It's not good that both of their top receivers are probably going to miss time. Like and with a high rate of reaggravation, that's not good either. I wouldn't be surprised if, I mean, I don't want to seem alarmist, but I wouldn't be surprised if both of them miss the game this weekend. 
And if they do, the Packers have a lot of problems on their hands because they'll be trotting out Malik Heath, Samori Toure, and Jaden Reed. Jaden Reed and, are the top three. And if, if Wicks' hamstring is ready by, 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 um, by Sunday. Yeah, and it's like all three guys have hamstring injuries. Like, what are the odds of that? My goodness. But there's not much we can do besides just bemoan the state of the Packers' injuries. I don't know if there's any more information really to give as of now. Just watch the injury report and hope that they're at least limited tomorrow and trending up for the weekend because if not, it's going to be a whole heck of a lot more difficult for the Packers. But, Dad, do you want to get into the meat of the game review or is there any more you wanted to say about the injury report? I think for Bakhtiari, it's like... It's what we expect. I don't know. Yeah. I don't yet. I, and I think it'll be a couple of weeks before we know how many practices a day he's oh, sorry, how many practices a week he's going to do. Yeah. And, and I wasn't going to tell us ahead of time. You're not going to tell us what no. the plan is. No, because because then when it doesn't go to plan, everyone freaks out because it will inevitably at times not go to plan this year. And I, I right. think they've learned their but lesson. We won't, but we won't know. Exactly. We'll know plan all along. Yeah, but let's get to the meat of the game review, Dad, and stop bemoaning what we cannot control, and start uh, bemoaning different things that we can't control. I guess um, they talk about other or, things we have no control over. Sure, exactly. But uh, there are a lot of things to be excited about that we don't have control over, also. So that's cool. But anyway, game preview, Dad. Uh, some quick facts around this game. It's going to be in Chicago, three twenty-five local time this Sunday afternoon. The Bears are currently favored by a point, uh, with an over/under think- of forty-two and a half. Uh, so that is an implied score of about 22 to 21 uh, in favor of Chicago. So that's something. Uh, according to Google uh, weather, it will be a high of 73 degrees that day, 10 mile per hour winds, and a 10% chance of partic- uh, precipitation that day, that is. Um, more likely to Parti- rain that morning. precipitation. Exactly. <laughs> but more likely to rain that morning, it sounds like, uh, based on what I was looking at. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of the nice, quick, uh, what's going on with those. Um it's just a you know just a little overview of the game, um, but let's move on to talking a little bit about the Bears, Dad. I, I was wondering if the line had gone up to one and a half after these injury reports. It depends where you look. It's one or one and a half depending where you look. I've seen all the way to two um, some places. Maybe, uh, maybe, this is, maybe that's what I heard. Yeah, I went to Vegas Insider, which has like a bunch of different books all side by side, and it was anywhere from one to two. Uh, most of them had one though, which is why I went with that one. Um, but Dad. That is kind of a little brief overview of the game. Should be a nice day out. Maybe a little breezy. Maybe a little bit of rain, but probably not. Nice weather. Going to be kind of humid. It's like 65% humidity, so keep an eye on that. Drink your water. But, Dad, let's talk a little bit about the opponent. Like we do in all of our pregames, going back to when we first started the show, we want to give you kind of a snapshot of what the other team is up to because I, we know that our listeners know a lot about the Packers, and trust me, we'll be talking a lot about the Packers in this preview as well. But we know that they don't necessarily know as much about the opponent, even when it's a familiar opponent like the Chicago Bears. Um, but, Dad, let's talk a little bit about the Bears. So normally during these segments, we'll be talking about how the year has been going for them so far, but it's the first game of the year. So let's talk a little bit about how last year went for the Bears. And last year was a bit of a slog for the Chicago Bears uh, as they struggled going 3-14 and on route to the worst record in the league. Um, per FTN, which is the new home of DVOA, it is no longer at Football Outsiders. Uh, they had the 32nd ranked overall defense by DVOA with the 32nd ranked passing defense and the 29th ranked rushing defense. And not only did their defense struggle, 
their offense struggled as well, uh, posting the 24th ranked overall offense by DVOA with the 30th ranked passing attack. And pretty much their only saving grace was they did have the seventh best rushing attack in the league last year by DVOA. Um, however, yeah. it's a new day. It's, it's, it's a new not dawn. Exactly su- I guess it's not exactly a surprise that they had the first overall pick in the draft with those numbers. No, yeah. Bad team, has bad record, has bad numbers, gets number one pick is usually how it goes. But, Dad, I think, you know, if you ask people around Chicago, if you ask Bears fans, there's a lot of optimism going into this season, and that's in large part due to the large swaths of changes that they have made on both sides of the ball. Do you want to talk a little bit about the defense, and then I'll talk a little bit about the offense? Okay. I would say, I wonder if some of the offense going around Bears land is simply because the Packers have moved on from Aaron Rodgers. It has nothing Their to do owner with the is... team at all. Well, their owner is no longer there. They're very, he's, they're very happy right, about that. They think so, they're, they think but, they're free at last. That's, I think that's the big <laughs> thing. But, but I think they, they, they have a lot of, they, but there they, are a lot they've of changes. Churned, they've, they've churned a lot, and they're yeah. also hoping for um, progression from fields. On defense, they made a number of changes to what was a bad defense. I don't think they've necessarily done enough. So they had, you know, bad – they're bad by bad defense in a number of metrics. Bad run defense, bad pass rush. So they've tried to basically reinvent their middle linebacker core after trading away uh, um, Roquan Smith last year and signing Tremaine Edmonds and TJ Edwards. Um, now, Tremaine Edmonds, From- he had had his first uh, – first and only above average season last year by PFF for the Bills after having kind of a slightly below average career before that. So yes, but maybe, to, maybe they're just to add a little team. context there. He was a first round pick uh, four, five, four or five years ago. Same draft as Jair Alexander. Um, and he was with the Bills all those years. And then TJ Edwards was with the oh. Eagles previously. Right, and so, and, and then Edwards, who's been consistently good. He's a little older, but all, almost every year he's a good grade um, by PFF. Look, so you maybe they've, you know, taken a chance on Edmonds uh, being able to repeat his only good year. They also have added um, Demarcus Walker, who had a bounce back year last year after having a down year, the one or two years before that, um, to the, and then they also added Yannick. Ngakwe at edge, they added edge rusher to try to bolster their um, kind of lacking pass rush. But he did have his, by PFF, his two worst years the last two years. Um, though he did still have 44 pressures um, last year and 62 the year before. So kind of on a par with um, Fred Clark. Now, They've, and they, they've also tried to um, beef up their defense by the draft. They added Gervin Dexter to the defensive line, two two defensive linemen fairly early on in the draft. Uh, what, sec- the second and third round? Yeah. Gervin Dexter and Zach Pickens on the deep. So Dexter, who they've been claiming has been showing a lot of pass rush juice um, from the inside in camp and in the uh, joint practices. There was a clip yeah. of him beating uh, Quentin Nelson that was running around on Twitter a little while and ago. Dexter out of Florida and Pickens out of South Carolina. Dexter was one... I, I was actually pretty high on both of these guys in the draft. I, I kind of liked both of yeah. them, I will say. I I was. I thought that there was a chance that the Packers would go for Pickens sometime around here. And this is kind of late 
two and early three was a range. I thought they might go for a, a D lineman in the draft, but they they went in a, a little different. Uh, they got there in a different route to get to uh, the D lineman, but uh, both of them had better pass rush grades than run defense grades, and so I think they may have done a few things to try to improve their pass rush, but they might be relying almost entirely on their inside linebackers to uh, to solve their their run defense. Um, and maybe they're maybe they're hoping that they're just going to tap into the tradition of Chicago Bears middle linebackers, and that they just put it put a linebacker in the middle of the Chicago Bears defense, and all of a sudden he's going to be a star. Yeah, and a lot of people that like I respect their football opinions have talked about how important that middle linebacker position is to the Eberflus like style of defense. Um, it is a oh, little odd given. It. I know, right? Chicken or egg is the question. Uh, But yeah, so it is a little odd given that, you know, most people would consider it not a very premium position. But, you know, the Packers have spent high capital at the middle linebacker position uh, just last year as well. So definitely something to keep an eye on. The question is, which team has the better middle linebacker group? Uh, Probably the Packers. It'll be interesting. I would say it's close. Well, one of of the teams has a paper. We'll see. One of the teams has a first-team All-Pro. Is all I'm going to say, but anyway, I hope I hope that happens again this year for the Packers. Yes, and they also added a body at cornerback uh, in the draft, Tyreek Stevenson. I don't know if you had a chance to to mention him yet. Not yet. Yeah. So I, I, they needed some help in, in coverage. I mean, they're they they have they still a have few Johnson who's decent. Yeah, but they did I, need yeah. some more some better coverage. Yeah, and some and, people and think Brisker, that Stevenson could be good. Yeah, and then. Brisker and Eddie Jackson, I think, are both pretty solid. Brisker's just struggled to stay healthy so far. He was talking some trash in his interview in his press conference the other day. Oh, I don't know if you saw. Yeah, it. there's. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> both sides are both sides are talking some trash. I mean, I don't know if you saw what Rasul Douglas said. Um, like, yeah, I haven't lost to them in seven years. So what? Is, it, it, yeah, Rasul said. Yeah, that's that can't be a that can't be a rivalry. Well, that's not that's not necessarily what he was saying. Rasul was saying he's like, you know, I've only Rasul was saying I haven't lost to the Bears, but I've also not been here very long, so it's not really a rivalry rivalry for me. He said it's more like when your best friend hates someone, so you hate them too. He's like, I don't really know him, but I hate him. Um, That was what he was saying, which I thought was pretty. (laughs) I guess I did catch part of that as well. But uh, yeah, I guess it was was, uh, Brisker was saying, "Hate hate Green Bay. Everybody hates Green Bay." Yep, that's what he was saying. That's ah, God, some rivalry again. It's gonna be fun. Um, but that, that's we'll that's see. a lot of we'll changes. We'll see if on... that smack talk leads to anything. Smack talk going both ways, and I'm lots of former Packers, lots of former day. Packers on the Bears, lots of former Packers on the Bears too, with Tanya there, Mercedes Packers. Lewis Tanyan. there, Lucas Lucas Patrick, Luke Getze, lots of former Packers on the on the Bears right now. In fact, I think I, think I read EQ, that EQ there, is still there too. There are more. Packer from the last time that the Bears beat the Packers, I read there are more <laughs> Packers that ha- that lost to the Bears on the Bears than there are Packers on the Packers. I think I read, which is kind of a, like a wild number and a little bit of a mouthful to say. But yes, a lot of changes for the defense for the Bears. But Dad, we got to keep moving if we're going to get through all this because I have a lot. Oh, yeah. There are a oh, lot wow. of changes. We, we there, yeah, I know, right? Started. I know. Isn't it great? Football's back, baby. There are a lot of changes on on the offense. There are a lot of changes on the offense to talk about, too. Um, 
with the first overall pick, the Bears ended up trading down, acquiring a mass of picks from Carolina, as well as young star receiver DJ Moore, who Bears fans kind of hope that he'll do the same thing for Fields that Stephon Diggs did for Josh Allen, that A.J. Brown did for um, Jalen Hurts. And so that's kind of the goal with that acquisition. And he has been a really nice player for Carolina the past few years. But advanced uh, stat-wise, these numbers are from NFLELO.com. Uh, Moore doesn't necessarily compare as much to Diggs's 2019 season or Brown's 2021 season. Um, he trails each by a large margin in EPA per reception, um, 0.72 for Diggs, 0.54 for Brown, and then down to 0.27 for Moore. Trails them in EPA per target, and he trails them in EPA per route run. But when you consider that EPA is a bit of a product of the offense as a whole, as a whole and is kind of really subject to the play of the quarterback... Um, and you look at that as well and try and control for that. For example, like the Panthers last year had a composite minus 0.03 EPA per dropback from their quarterbacks as weighted by number of dropbacks. Um, 21 Titans had a 0.12 EPA per dropback and the uh, 2019 Vikings had a 0.19 EPA per dropback. So those were actually good offenses. Um, when you compare those, uh, he still trails them in two of three statistics, but it is far closer. Um, EPA reception is um, is still a pretty large gap, but EPA per target is pretty close between um, him and Brown. Um, and he actually uh, leads them all in EPA per route run when you control for that um, uh, quarterback EPA per dropback. Um, then beyond that, with their top 10 pick that they acquired after trading down, they drafted right tackle Darnell Wright. Uh, you might remember him as he was someone the Packers were clearly very interested in in the pre-draft pro- uh, pros- pre-draft uh, what a- in the pre-draft process. Thank you. Um, he uh, he they hope that he's going to be a big help for them along the offensive line at right tackle. Um, as Fields ranked third in pressures per dropback amongst players with at least 100 dropbacks, according to PFF. So he was getting a lot of pressure last year. Uh, he didn't necessarily always do the best under pressure, which we'll talk about later. But it doesn't help when you're under pressure that much. And that's someone that they're hoping is going to help them. They also signed guard Nate Davis away, who's going to play right guard for them. Uh, he played for the Titans last year. Amongst guards, playing at least 50% of snaps last year, he was 14th in PFF grade and ranked 27th among guards in pressures per pass blocking snap uh, with guards of at least 100 pass blocking snaps. That's also per PFF. And then beyond that, they have Chase Claypool with his first full offseason with the team. Darnell Mooney, healthy after having ankle surgery this offseason, uh, or last season, that is. And then they have new additions at running back with Deontay Foreman and rookie Roshan Johnson. Uh, and then Khalil Herbert taking over David Montgomery's role as the lead back. So a lot of turnover here for the Bears on both defense and offense. Some reasons for optimism with them bringing in some premier talents like DJ Moore and someone who I think they clearly hope is a premier talent and Darnell Wright. Um, but a very different Bears team than we saw last year, or at least they hope so, because they were not good last year, as we already established. Yep. Anything more you wanted to add? Some of that nice, some of that great yak they got from uh, DJ Moore yep. and Khalil Herbert in that first pre- preseason game, where and they DJ got Moore's what, 100, 110 yards from negative four yards of uh, um, downfield passing. Yes, and and I think you know DJ Moore's looked really really good in the preseason, but. We're going to see what it looks like when you're going against a starting defense with non-vanilla plays, much the same way as we talked about how we're going to see what it looks like for Jordan Love with a non-vanilla defense and like starters playing. Um, Beyond that, though, for the Bears, um, here are some kind of broad picture looks at how people think their season is going to go. Uh, Their odds to win the NFC North, these are all per Vegas Insider. Um, 
The Bears currently have the lowest odds to win the NFC North at plus 450. The Packers are third. They're just right ahead of them. I think at plus 400, if I remember correctly. Um, The Bears have the 21st best odds to make the playoffs at plus 175. The Packers are 19th, just a hair above them. But the Bears have the 18th best odds to win the Super Bowl at plus 6,000, which narrowly edges out the Packers, who are 19th right behind them. And then Justin Fields has the 10th best odds to win MVP this year. So just some kind of how the general public is viewing the Bears is like, it seems like they're kind of viewing them a bit boomer bust this year. They could either be very good or not so good, it seems like, is how the general public is looking at them. I think I read at one point Justin Fields had the most bets for MVP at any of the sports books of any uh, person. Um, for reference, though, Trey Lance had the most bets for MVP last year uh, at all sports books, if I, I remember correctly. I think it's correctly. just because of the payouts. The payouts good. And also, you know, it's a lot of a lot of Bears fans. There's a, a lot of fans, you know. But I think, but I think the big thing, and like Lance and and Fields, you you're betting. People are betting on the long shots. You don't have to bet much to get a lot of money. That's probably true. Um, but Ted, anything else you wanted to say about what's going on with the Bears? That was kind of a broad strokes. This is what's going on with the Bears. Some of it not so broad strokes. Some of it a little nitty gritty. Yeah. I, um, I would say when you if you look at a bunch of different um, sites that. The consensus seems to be, at least has been for a while, and maybe it's starting to change. Bears and Packers fighting it out for last place in the NFC North. Most people think that it's Lions and Vikings. I don't agree with them um, that Lions and Vikings would be on the top because I don't think the Vikings are very good. Um, so yeah. I think that the, 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 the Vikings could be last. I but, I would be a little surprised, but we're not here to talk about the <laughs> NFC North as a whole, Dad. We we'll have a lot but, to but, talk but about. I, but still. I would say that, uh, that, and both teams have a lot to prove and a lot of uncertainty that we won't really know the answers to until the regular season is going. Yes, and both teams, they really parallel each other quite nicely. Both teams have high hopes with their young quarterbacks. Both teams are, like, a lot of their hopes are hinging on those young quarterbacks to play well. Both teams have you know, big changes. Their court, their coaches have questions to answer in terms of Malafleur. Like, can he do it without Rogers? Matt Eberflus, is he the right coach for the bears? You know, they've had two, uh, or I guess he was, it was his first year last year, but last year did not go very well this year. They've kind of reshaped the defense around him. And it's like, Hey, like, these are some of your guys time to get some results. Um, but yeah, but dad, let's talk a little bit about our general thoughts about the game. Um, we like to do these little, these little ones in sections. Um, but we're going to start with, Hey, now play nice where we say at least a couple of nice things about our opponents. Dad, would you like to start us off? <laughs> so I guess we decided to mandate a play nice section so that, uh, we don't talk nasty the entire time. Yo, shall I go on? So what I, and I, know, and I noticed this a little bit in the off season, we were looking at, um, comparing players in different positions that I feel like in looking through this, that the Bears O-line is better than it generally gets credit for. This, um, it, by pass block win rate by SPN last year, they were second overall in the league. and But only but then a big discrepancy with PFF, which gave them the, as the 16th best pass blocking um, unit. They're fifth best in win block and run block win rate by ESPN and sixth best by PFF. So those kind of agree. So it seems like the consensus is they're pretty good run blocking um, unit and a little very um, variance in how well regarded they are for their pass blocking ability. Um, so I think, and this is, this is kind of in contrast to the general appearance of the offense and how much pressure they get. So maybe there's room 
with some basic building blocks in the offensive line and the, and the um, additions they made to it, that if they work on getting the ball out quicker and keeping the offense on pace, that maybe they can be greatly improved versus uh, what they're doing now, which despite the offense. So they get a lot of pressures despite the offense grading the offensive line grading out well by some metrics. Yeah, and this is and something that you bring up a lot that sacks and pressure rate are a QB stat. Dad, this is the play nice section. Sacks. I'll have you. I'll have okay, you know sorry. this is the play nice section. We can cast shade later. Um, but, but my nice but thing you, I have to but, say but line, yeah. is look, look, look. nice. My, my nice thing to say is that you know Justin Fields is one of the most I think dynamic runners we've ever seen in football at the quarterback position, and he kind of showed it last year, and maybe at any position. Uh, last year he ran for one thousand one hundred and forty three yards, which is the second most ever for a quarterback in a season, uh, running for seven point one yards per carry, and then according to NFLelo.com. A Fields carry was worth 0.11 expected points added more than the average quarterback in the NFL last season. Um, And so that's like kind of compared to his compared to the average in that year. And when you compare to each compare each players to their the average quarterback in that year, that's the highest above the year's average in the last five years. And that's even higher than Lamar's MVP season in 2019. So I think, you know, a lot of people talk about how special Fields is as an athlete, how dynamic he is. I think sometimes, you know, they don't even talk about it enough because he really is a freak, 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 freakazoid athlete with the ball in his hands. And that definitely cannot be taken away from him at all. Um, and this is the play nice section. So I would say that's that's the nice thing I have to say about the Bears. Um, let's get yeah. all of our nerves out of the way, though, Dad. And go on to our next section, unless you had something else you wanted to add, where we'll talk a little bit about what we're nervous about. And my mind kind of transitions into that kind of well. But do you have something you wanted to say? Oh, just about fields running in the open field is like there are not many linebackers or even safeties who can keep up with them. And the corners aren't big enough. So pick your poison. But my thing, this next section is I'm nervous about ellipses. Uh, and what I'm nervous about, Dad, I know you're going to talk Those about the running game. Scary, scary I know, punctuation. Right? I put a lot of them too. Um, How many but... ellipses are there? I can't even count them all. They're too, they're too close together. They're too close together. Um, you're going to need to get your reading glasses out. But um, you're going to talk a little bit about the running game as a whole. I'm going to talk a little more about field specifically running because not only is he a lead at it, it's a bad matchup for the Packers. Um, you know, whenever you see a running quarterback, I get flashbacks to Colin Kaepernick just running roughshod over the entire Packers defense to the tune of 180 yards. Um, but in 2022, the Packers allowed 5.5 yards per carry to quarterbacks, uh, according to Stat News, uh, including a six carry game for 71 yard um, to Justin Fields when they played the Bears last in December in week 13. Um, in fact, in the four games that Justin Fields has played against the Packers with Joe Barry as defensive coordinator, he has rushed for 52 yards per game and 7.2 yards per carry. And a lot of that is actually held down by an eight carry 20 yard performance he had uh, in week two last year. If you take that out, and I know that was that was a good performance from the Packers defense in that game. But if you take that one out and look at the other three, he's actually averaging 63 rushing yards per game and almost nine yards per carry. So they have not done a very good job stopping him um, running. And under Joe Barry, they haven't really done a good job stopping many mobile quarterbacks. Um, the Packers have allowed 50 rushing yard games uh, five different times by quarterbacks, two of them to Justin Fields, one to Tyler Huntley, one to... Um, Was it like Heineke? 
Taylor Heineke and then the one to Jalen Hurts where he ran for 157 yards. So it has not been good containing running quarterbacks under Joe Barry and Justin Fields, like we established, is very good with his legs. And it's that's going to cause some problems. Um, Dad, what, what are you what are you nervous about in this game? Yeah, so I, was, I, I put in more generally about the Bears running game. So as we talked about before, the Bears O-line graded out really well in run blocking by both PFF and ESPN. While Green Bay had the eighth worst run D by PFF and second worst in ESPN's run stop win rate. Um, so those are things that make me nervous, that matchup. Uh, give me flashbacks to last year's Eagles game where they had... 363 yards rushing on 7.4 yards per carry. Or the 2019 Niners game that had 285 yards on 6.8 per carry. So the worry is, does it matter if the Bears can't pass? If they run like that, do they even need to pass? And and, and it, it doesn't matter how good the Packers' coverage and pass rush are if they're going to get seven yards a, a carry. Yeah, and so the last, thing last is, year, like... they gave up five yards per rush. And and the thing is, like, you know, Justin Fields last year, like, I would say, I think it's fair to say at times struggled to throw the football, like, with accuracy. And it's fair to say he also didn't have very many weapons, and he didn't have a very good O-line. Uh, if he if he puts together, like, I, I kn- if he puts together a good passing season, um, like I know a lot of Chicago fans are hopeful that he will, he's going to be really hard to stop. Like that's going to be very difficult to deal with if he can put to, if he can make those strides as a passer this year. Um, which I know there was an article by I think it was Ted Wynn uh, of the Athletic um, who put together a very nice article about how he thought that Fields would take that step as a passer this year, um, and I found it very constructive. It actually raised my um, my opinion of Fields uh, quite a bit. Um, it's a good read. I'll, I'll send it to you. But so okay, if he makes those strides, as, yeah, if he makes those strides as a passer, it's it's going to be very difficult to stop him. And I think even if he hasn't made those strides as a passer, it's going to be it could be very difficult for the Packers to stop him because they, they they haven't been able to stop the run for years, really. And there there will be a game here or there where they will stop the run, and you'll be like, why don't they just do this every time? And then there will be a game like the Eagles game where it's like, okay, there's. 380 yards later, there we go. <laughs> yep. So, so we'll see what happens this game. You know, Tevin Jenkins is going to be out. He was actually their highest graded run blocker on their O-line last year. So they've added a couple in. I think the general consensus may be that Darnell Wright might be a better run blocker than pass blocker at this stage anyway. So we'll see what what their line looks like for, for run blocking this year. Well, when you while you bring that up, um, I that kind of transitions to our next section and what I was going to talk about. Unless you wanted to add something, um, go ahead. Well, we move, so the yeah, next we section, the next section we have, we're going to finally start getting to the good stuff: exploitable weaknesses for the Bears. And this is where we talk a little bit about where the other team might be vulnerable, and we might have some parts that the Packers can take advantage of. And my first one that kind of got teased by you is the Bears really do not have a lot of continuity along their offensive line or really many reps together at all, even during the offseason. Like you mentioned already, Tevin Jenkins is on IR, so he's going to miss the first four weeks at least. Um, And he was planning to be the starting left guard. And then as soon as he was declared out, they moved their starting center, Cody Whitehair, over to left guard, and they now have Lucas Patrick at center. 
So they've got one guy switching positions. Beyond that, Nate Davis missed a lot of the offseason practices, and Darnell Wright missed a good amount of time with a right ankle, or uh, with an, I'm not sure if it was right, with an ankle injury as well. So here's a pretty much entirely new offensive line with some guys playing out of position, backups playing, and players like Nate Davis and Darnell Wright who've not really had many reps next to each other. So that's not a very experienced... The players individually have a decent amount of experience, but it's not a very experienced unit playing together, and they have not gotten many practice reps together at all. And I think that that is something that the Packers should be able to take advantage of in terms of... We'll talk a little bit about what game plans we want to see from the Packers in a bit, but more stunts, uh, more blitzes, testing the testing the communication along the offensive line, testing the way they play together. I think that is going to be paramount to like controlling this game from the defensive side. And we'll talk about that in a bit, but I think that that is a very exploitable thing from the bears side. Um, did you have one on yours, uh, on your notes? Um, so the thing I had was about the, uh, so one of them was the, the bears, kind of pass protection as a whole, not just the offensive line. Last year, they had the worst adjusted sack rate on offense in the NFL last year. But not just last year, but the worst in the last 10 years, dead last at 13%, despite having the second best pass block win rate by ESPN and 16th best by PFF. Um, So, and the Packers look like they have a better overall pass rush this year than last year, both on the edge and in the interior. They have more depth than both. I think they've got more players with pass um, rush juice inside with the with TJ Slayton and Wyatt moving up to get more slap more snaps and the addition of Brooks and um, Wooden. I think they can expect better. And they have a deeper uh, edge group as well. Gary will be on a bit of a pitch count, we, we think anyway, at the beginning of the year, so he won't be quite up to what he was at the beginning of last year, but you know, they didn't have them at all at the end of the year. And they've got more depth now with the addition of um, Lucas Van Ness and Brenton Cox. And J.J. and Agbare looks to be vastly improved so far. So I think they'll be able to put more pressure on um, on fields. And then... Yeah. And, with, and with that pressure, I think, you know, we I was going to say my other one really quick, is that... For as explosive as Justin Fields is and the pension he has for creating explosive plays, he was responsible for a lot of negative plays last season. Um, Amongst quarterbacks with at least 50% of uh, necessary dropbacks, these are per PFF, uh, he converted pressures to sacks at the second highest rate amongst all quarterbacks last year. The only one higher was Baker Mayfield. Um, He had the highest turnover-worthy play rate of any quarterback in the league last year. And then he also led the league in fumbles last year. So if the Packers are able to get pressure last year, Fields showed that he did not necessarily, as as mobile as he is, and people think like he's really good at escaping pressure, he was not very good at escaping pressure last year. And the numbers bear it out. If the Packers can get pressure in this game, I think that's going to be huge for them. Yeah, it's interesting that a guy as athletic as he is, was such a good runner that does not translate into escaping the pass rush. Um, and then I had also, you kind of tied it up, that the Bears had the second worst passing attack overall last year. Only the Jets were back, were worse by PFF. Yeah, they've got not Zach great, Wilson. Bob. Yeah. 
and they and they replaced their quarterback as quick as they could, as um, as, as we know. As we know. Um, anything um, else you wanted to add there for um, exploitable weaknesses of the Bears? Or we should talk a bit, or sh- or do you want to talk a little I, bit about what we hope the game plan is for the Packers in this game? Well, the the other thing I had in here is how bad the Bears' defense was last. By, they're actually by PFF, they were worse against the run than we were than the than the Packers were last and th- year, and that's pretty bad. That's and that's not good. They were, and um, and they were also last in pass rush. And eighth worst in coverage. Um, so I think they have a very, you know, unless all those changes they've made have vastly improved it. And I think it's unclear if the changes have, they've made have made a big difference in the overall quality of the, of the defense. So they may not have corrected the correct thing. We'll see. Um, and I think that's there's out. on both offense and defense, like we were talking about, they're, we already spoke about this a bit, but they need pretty much full turnarounds on both sides of the ball, except for their rushing attack from last year. Like they need the new offensive line pieces to protect fields. They need fields to take that step as a passer that they expect him to. They need the addition of DJ Moore and Claypool having a, and Claypool and um, Darnell Mooney returning and then paying Cole Komet. They need all of that to result in pass catchers getting open. Uh, they need the additions at linebacker to help them stop the run. They need Jaquan Brisker coming back healthy and Tyreek Stevenson um, as a rookie corner to be able to stop the pass. They need a lot of these things to work out all at once. And generally, the odds of that are not super high. That doesn't happen very often. They they need Yannick Ngakwe and... Uh, oh, goodness, I'm already forgetting his name, even though we already talked about him. The pass rusher they brought over from the Titans. Um, Demarcus Walker. Uh, Walker. They need they need these players to create a pass rush for them that was borderline non-existent last year. They need so many things to almost flip 180 for them this year that it feels hard to imagine that all of them will. I'm sure some of them will, but it, it's going to be tough for them this year. But well, you know, yeah, we'll the, see the, if the it turn, is, we'll it, see if it turns. Go ahead. I think one thing that people don't appreciate is if you have five different things each of which has a 90% chance of success on its own. If if you need all five of them to work, you only have a little bit over 50% chance of getting them all to work without fail. Yeah, and that's and if that's they all have a 90% chance of working. So, right. so I'm giving them a really good chance in each individual one. If each, if, if each one's like a 75% chance, say, oh, 75%, we're going to get that. People just assume that a 75% chance or 90% chance means, oh, it's better than 50. It's going to happen. Yeah, but not the way it works. let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about what we hope the Packers game, because, you know, and, but it's, uh, just to add one last thing, it's possible they don't need all five of these things to work out. Maybe three of them are enough to beat the Packers this year. Maybe maybe three of them are enough to to improve substantially in the NFC. We'll see. Maybe maybe if just one, maybe if just fields gets better as a passer and their passing game gets better, that'll be sufficient. We'll see. I that's, think only time will the, tell the kicker. Yeah. Yeah, that's the biggest it, it, one. That they're not all weighted equally. Yeah, the things and only time work. will, and only time will tell. We'll see. I know Bears fans are very excited about Fields this year, just as Packers fans are very excited about Love this year. And the whole thing is, we don't know, but we have a lot to talk about still, Dad. Let's talk a little bit about what we hope the game plan for the Packers is going to be in this game. I hope the Packers blank. You want to start us off? Yeah. So strategy wise, I. I think the Packers should concentrate on collapsing the pocket on field to create pressure. 
and not just trying to run upfield and get around the blocker. So without so they need to um, create pressure without opening rushing lanes. So since he just had a you know basically near historic year of rushing, um, but it still struggled passing, you want to create pressure in a way that he still is going to try to pass, make him show that he's improved in in passing. What they've changed to the structure of the team will, um, uh, you know, yeah. Has got actually to, worked. As Bill, Bel- as Bill Belichick would say, you got to make him play left-handed. You already know he is great running the football. Make him prove that he has made those strides as a passer this year. Right. Don't don't make it easier on him to escape and run. And um, it was interesting. I watched a little bit of a uh, uh, YouTube video by the QB school on Justin Fields' preseason game three. And it was not pretty. Uh, no, yeah, it it was. I watched that same video. It was, it was not a great showing from him in that one. I think maybe his yeah. other preseason game was better, but that was also the one where he mostly threw screen passes. So you know, haven't he? I don't think he played in the second one. So not a whole lot of tape from him this preseason. He had a remarkably small amount of preseason time this year. They're trying to give him you know, a chance to improve. But he's had a lot more regular season snaps than than Love has. So you could say that. Well, he's getting. A lot more development. And then on offense, what I'm looking for is for the Packers, especially with an injury report out now, lean on the running game. I have the exact same one. I have in I have four words for you. Run the damn rock. Uh, in week two against the Bears last year, the Packers running backs had 193 yards on 33 carries for 5.8 yards per carry. Aaron Jones had 132 of those by himself. Ooh, in week 13, like- Packers running backs had 125 yards on 28 carries. Dylan alone had 93 of those on 5.2 a carry. You should especially be able to run on an inexperienced D-line. That it, you, And if you want to... People are talking about how you know they think the Packers have a top three, top five offensive line. They're great at pass blocking so far, but you got to also show it in the run game. And I think we saw some real positives of that in the preseason, but that's just preseason. We got to see it in the regular season too. Um, and I would also love to see some end arounds to test the edges integrity against the run, especially at Ngakwe, who has notorious previously, at least has been a very good pass rusher, but not a very good run defender at all. So that's what I would like to see. And then for the love of God, do not let field scramble quarterback spy every play. If you have to, um, there was a play in week two of last year. I was rewatching the games. Fourth quarter, 8.30 left, third and goal, Bears down 14, kind of a last chance for them where they they need to score a touchdown here to keep this a game. And Justin Fields slips out of the pocket, and he's sprinting towards the right pylon. And Quay Walker, in his second game in the NFL, Mm -hmm. runs him down and brings him down just short of the goal line as he's reaching out for the pylon. The Packers then stuffed the Bears on fourth down, and that ended up being the game. And that is the kind of effort and energy the Packers are going to need from every player on the defense in this game because you cannot afford to let him get loose if you want to win this game. Um, anything else you wanted to add there, Dad, um, before we move on to our next bit? That's the thing. you got to maintain discipline, hustle after the ball. Yeah. And just whatever you do, don't let that man get loose because that's how you're going to lose that game. Um, let's move on to our next section, which is don't take your eye off that guy. Um, and this is either players that we think are going to be standouts or players that we think will be deciding factors in the game where it's like, if they play well, they win. If they play badly, they lose dad. I think you have one of the second ones. 
Yeah, so I, I went on defense, basically following right – it turns out to be following right in what you're talking about, the Packers inside linebackers. If Campbell and Walker can take good angles, stay on balance, and tackle to the ground, then I think the Bears' offense will struggle. If they can't get the chunk plays by getting into the Packers' secondary, where they – you know, I have very little hope that uh, a 10-yard run won't turn into 50. Um, so I would like to keep the ball from in that, that includes like short passes for, for yak as well as running plays. Um, I think we are going to really need, uh, a, a game from Campbell and Walker to keep those and big plays we, down. We, we joked about it a bit when the bears had 160 yards on negative four air yards or whatever it was, or average depth of target or not air yards, but average depth uh, yeah, of target. I looked, but, but but both both those passes were caught behind the line of scrimmage, and we joked and they about both it. Both went for plus over fifty yard touchdowns. Yeah, and we joked about it. But are we sure the Packers are going to be able to tackle screen passes out into the flat if their safeties can't tackle? That's a good question okay. because you know yeah. we we see we see that that's going to be part of the Bears' offense, and they're going to test them on that. And the linebackers are going to need to be able. The linebackers are going to need to be able to get out to the sideline to make those tackles because I I don't necessarily trust the safeties to make those tackles. Speaking of flashbacks to previous plays against the Packers, so we forgot to mention the, uh, the Kamara play, which we, maybe the we Bears bring up the Kamara play. Those, the, the Bears were practicing with those short passes to the left side. We bring up the Kamara play probably once every three or four episodes. Pretty much any time <laughs> we bring up screen plays, we bring up the Kamara play. When are we going to retire that one? Maybe if the Bears pull a Khalil Herbert play, and then we'll just start calling it something else. Um, hopefully right. not. Somebody else. It's yeah. kind of My... like uh, we're still talking. Well, we should bring up the Kaepernick game. That's true. That's like oh, the record for rushing yards in a okay, playoff so it was game. The by a quarterback well, it was the all-time record. Yes, I'm pretty sure. I I can't be 100 percent sure, but I'm pretty sure it was. Um, my player to watch, this is kind of cheating. It's Jordan Love. Uh, it's his first ever start. It's in Chicago. He has the opportunity to make a massive statement in this game. If he plays well and they win a massive statement in this game, if he plays well and they win. And if he outplays Justin Fields, do you know, like how the narratives would be out of control? Out of control, and so he's he is the player to watch in this game. Him and Fields, both sides of the both sides of the ball. It's and I know we're going to talk about that a bit in a second as well. You've got some stuff for that, but I mean that's that's the whole thing. We haven't talked about it much yet. That's what this game. That's what this game is all about. I mean, Kyle Brandt um, of uh, Good Morning Football dubbed this the Xanax Bowl, where everyone's <laughs> going to be just on pins and needles, anxious like. I hope my quarterback plays better than the other guy because that's there's a lot in the yeah. balance here. There's a there's so much at stake in just one game right. because this, it's going to control the narrative for a long time about who is the who's coming for the crown in the NFC North, and that's it's going to be something. Um, yep. Dad, should we move this on to season, the next section? Or you want to add something? Let's say this season, and you know, and, and, and because of that, this game. It's all about who's got the better quarterback. Yeah, between the in terms of the relationship between the, the Packers and the Bears. Yeah, and, and it's who like, gets to talk a smack to the other? Would you rather the Packers win but Fields outplays Love, or the Packers lose and Love outplays Fields? I'd rather the Packers lose and Love outplays Fields. 
I think. If Love yes. plays like really well, that is. But also, I don't really see a world where those two things could exist in unity unless Anders Carlson misses like a dozen kicks, which, you know, could happen. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about special teams in a second. We, we, um, yeah, that, that could happen. Or, we, or there could be some other weird special teamness, like, you know, a couple of runbacks for touchdowns or blocked punts. We still we'll completely see. got rid of the blocked kicks. No, we have not. Despite, I don't despite know improving we, last year. I don't think we ever will really get rid of them. They'll always be with us in our heart. Um, but Dad, now it's time for overtime. Um, this is when we just talk a little bit about things that we wanted to discuss that we didn't get a chance to talk about yet. Um, I got a couple. You got a couple. I'll start us off. Uh, we haven't talked about it yet, but DJ Moore versus Jair Alexander, I think is going to be a big matchup in this game. Um, I hope they let Jair travel. Uh, it seems like that's something that they're leaning towards this year. Um, but the fact, of the fact of the matter, it's the Packers star corner versus the Bears new shiny toy. And that's going to, it hasn't been a big narrative because it's been kind of overshadowed by the Love Fields narrative, which of course it would be because that's the biggest thing in this game. Um, but I think that that's a big thing that we haven't gotten a chance to talk about yet. And I just wanted to note that we are at least thinking about it. And then the other one is the new look defense for the Packers, quote unquote, new look defense. Um, multiple members of the Packers defense have talked about how it's going to be an entirely new defense this year. They're going to be more aggressive. They're going to be et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but it's easy to say that in August and September when all you're doing is practicing. I remember when the Packers D-line was supposed to be super special and dominant, and then they weren't. So got to see it this year. Uh, this is Paul Brettel on Twitter quoting Kenny Clark saying, quote, we, we got a different plan. You'll see on Sunday as far as the plan. As far as the techniques and everything, how we play in the defense or how we play in defense, we're just being more aggressive, going to move a little bit. And so we'll see what that means. I'm excited to hopefully see it, but I won't believe it until I do. Yeah, I would say some of the things we're hearing are at least encouraging in terms of that maybe playing a slightly different style or scheme compared to last year to improve the run game and the past year defense the the run defense and the pass defense although you know it seems to me from the way they're talking about it they're going to be trying to like penetrate gaps more and get upfield more as defensive linemen and edge rushers and like you were saying i have heard that that, and maybe that might cause problems against uh, that might cause some problems against a rushian quarterback or against a team throwing a lot of screens those two things are not great for that type of defense this might be a day for a little more two-gapping and a little more picking Patience. aside and running after the quarterback or just putting your head down and, and, and diving into the diving in towards the QB and leaving your uh, the outside open or a, a lane up the middle. Anyway, yeah. so I would say things that I that we haven't really talked about. There is, of course, the special teams. We alluded to it earlier per uh, DVOA last year. So, And this is the DVA on FTN Fantasy. Where they've now are housing DVA. DVOA. It improved last year from 32 to 12, I think, which is more than I had seen before. But PFF, the special teams improved from 31st to 25th. What happens this year? We're going to get a second year jump in the overall special teams. Um, But it is a whole new kicking operation. Right? Yep. Every member of of it is new. Long snapper, new kicker, and... There were so there were a lot of discouraging um, signs for that in the practices and, and the preseason games were mostly good. There, there were the we two talk about practice points, but the, we talk about practice. 
We're talking about practice. So he's just a gamer. So that'll Hopefully. be interesting to see how that goes. And then the other thing I have is the whole Jordan Love versus Justin Fields of it all. That's all this, that is, this game is. That's the only thing so, this game is. And so a lot of people have been talking about, you know, it's not so much known on Jordan Love. You're talking about what, the, what their opinions are on Justin, Love, uh, Justin Fields and how he's you know, inaccurate and misses plays or misses reads. Um, and other people saying, well, it's just that he's had bad line play or he's had bad receivers to throw to. And it's true. If your receivers are never open, it's hard to hit them. But so I, I tried to look for some numbers on what exactly there is but um, for fields and also a little bit for love. So I went to um, pro football reference for bad throw. I was focusing on bad throw percentage and on target percentage. For Fields, his bad throw percentage last year, so this is just 2022, was tied for the fourth worst in bad throw percentage, and he was seventh worst in on-target percentage for any players who had at least five starts. So being bad in both of those puts him in the same neighborhood as Zach Wilson, Davis Mills, Cooper Rush, P.J. Walker, and Marcus Mariota. That's kind of rough. Not the best. Not the best company. We have not seen really players where you want to yeah. hang your future. Although um, you know, to play devil's advocate, we have seen players in the past improve their accuracy, which I think is something the Packers fans are hoping Love will do as well. But we've seen yes, like this is jo- Josh Allen. But the thing is, these Josh Allen improved his accuracy like a crazy amount in a year. Those things are pretty rare to happen. And right. I remember when Josh Allen was coming yeah. out in the draft, everybody was like scared to draft him because they all said you can't fix ac- fix accuracy um that had been the sort of the dogma before him um and so that i was also curious how love would look in some of this because we've watched him miss targets in the preseason um and practices this summer and love's numbers last year were the because he had a small sample size he wasn't in that you know top 40 um had at least five starts and which ended up being like over 150 attempts um but love's um, bad throw percentage and on target percentage were the equivalent of the 20th best. So kind of in the middle for the bad throw percentage and third best for on target percentage. He was kind of in, in the same in the, neighborhood as Aaron Rodgers and Trevor Lawrence for those, which is a neighborhood I'd rather be in than Zach Wilson, Marcus Mariota and Davis Mills. If you're looking true, for real that was, estate. That was very small it, sample size. To be it's fair. a very small sample size. Um, now, for looking at the various caveats to Fields' bad play, why might be better? He was indeed um, highly pressured by by Pro Football Reference. He's the third most pressured quarterback in the league, and there's this basic um, idea that that is correlated, increases your bad throws and off-target throws. So I try to do a little analysis of correlation between those numbers. And so just do a linear regression to this, the, the plot of the pressure versus bad throw rate and pressure versus on target rate. And the, the correlation is not, there's something there. It's not zero. It's not random, but it's pretty low. Like the, uh, the R squared is less than 0.1. So hmm. it's, it's, That's kind it's of pretty minor. I do wonder if you limited it to a sample size of like young quarterbacks, like quarterbacks in their first and second year, whether that would mm. change anything. 
I didn't do That's, that. Okay. But but and then there was a slightly stronger effect for the uh, on the backfield percentage. One thing I did do is just then look at the the average for the ten most pressured and the ten least pressured quarterbacks, and you can see a little bit more of a difference there, um, where um, the bad throw percentage for the ten most pressured quarterbacks was point one seven. And the 10 least pressured quarterbacks is like 0.15. So there's a small difference in the percent of bad throws at the extremes and probably you know, not much difference in the middle. Now, the other thing I'd say for the field supporters out there, there was actually, I also looked at intended like air yards per attempt. So downfield throws and, and fields is one of the deeper throwers of the ball last year. There's actually a stronger correlation with off-target bad throws on the deeper throws than there was to pressure. Which makes sense. You the throw ball, it further, yeah. it's harder It's harder right. to be accurate deeper. Makes sense to me. And so um, it's still, you know, the, the correlation's not great, but it's better than it was to the pressure. So with the, so I also did a little bit of an adjustment. So air yards per attempt and what to see bad ball rate per yards per attempt, as it were. And so basically took the the bad ball rate and divided it by the average uh, yard um, um, yards per attempt. So, so depth of target. And Fields had, so he had one of the highest depths of target in the league last year. He was fifth. Well, Love was closer to 27th um, in, in uh, um, air yards per attempt. So adjusting for that depth of throw, Fields is now more in the middle of the pack for inaccuracy per depth than than being near the bottom. So it, it did raise him to kind of an average quarterback rather than one of the five worst. Now, one thing I would say on Love's side here is if you compare Love's 2021 to 2022, there's a substantial improvement in both his on-target rate, an, improvement, an increase in the on-target rate and a decrease in the bad throw rate. While Fields is basically unchanged between twenty one and twenty two, mm-hmm. that uh, he, he was he was a kind of equally near the bottom in both years. So that kind of wraps up. But yeah, I suppose. And, and again, Love's a small sample size, but he looks like he's getting better and doing better than than Fields did last year. And if Bears fans want to hang their hat on something, they can say, "Well, there are some underlying reasons for." why he may have been less accurate. Now, one thing this doesn't capture, these are just, I think, the how good the throw was, not how good the decision was. So this is not measuring, what are you doing throws? Yes, and it, it, I feel like, you know, watching people break down both fields and love this preseason, it seemed like love had less of those. He did still have like one or two that I remember, but it not did seem many, that... Though. Yeah, it kind of depends on, you know, it's in the eye of the beholder in some ways. It depends. I think one person I watch says, like, I don't know why he didn't throw this. Another was like, oh, that seems like the natural progression here. Kind of depends on what you're assuming the concept is and how you assume it, how you're assuming the concept is coached. So kind of kind of depends in that way. But I think, you know, I think that's the thing that Packers fans can hang their hat on is in the preseason. It seems that Love's decision making has been really good. And I think the biggest question mark that I have with Love, and I've seen other people have this opinion, Aaron Nagler, I think I heard on Cheesehead TV have this opinion, is like, 
I think back to the Chiefs game, and I'm like, what if the defense just blitzes every Brings time? the house every play. And they just bring the house. Because that did not go well for the Packers last time. They had they had not a whole lot to handle it. And Nagler brought up that it seemed like LaFleur didn't really know how to handle it either. And the question was, was the thing that kept them from being blitzed so heavily and the thing that helped them handle the blitz when they were blitzed, was that Rodgers is doing? Because Rodgers was notoriously very good against the blitz and no one wanted to blitz him for fear for their lives. And the question is, like, if defenses just start engaging eight, can the combination of Jordan Love and Matt LaFleur handle that? And that's kind of the the bit of, like, uh, it's just an unknown. conflictedness, unknown, at, at this point. A little, maybe, maybe some concern. But I think everything else we've seen, for, Love is, in my opinion, the preseason, for as much as you can in the preseason, checked every other box. And now we just need to see it in the regular season. But the thing, yeah. the thing that He's... he has not checked yet is handling massive amounts of pressure and and changing the protections. Yeah, that's something we don't know what he can do. One thing we have seen, I think, is probably an improvement from what we had in college with uh, all the turnover-worthy plays. That very few turnover-worthy plays, and he's going through his progressions quickly and being on time and 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 uh, making his decision and making the throw. Yeah, I would say you know besides a few misses here and there, the preseason went about as well as you could hope. But anyway, Dad, anything else you wanted to add with Love and Fields, or do you want to move on to our last bit and start wrapping up here? I, I, I'm, I, that's that's what I had there. Is that mostly an analysis of uh, the um, accuracy of the throws that I wanted to go over. All right. Well, n- next section is the bottom line, uh, where we kind of wrap it all up here. Dad, the Bears win if blank. What do you got for the fill in the blank there? Well, we kind of talked about it. The, the Green Bay cannot stop the run game, especially the trenches. If they let it, if they, if the the Bears running plays get into the uh, second and third level, especially the third level. Yep. I got something very similar. The bears win. If green Bay can't get off the field and can't stop the run game. I think that's the path to victory for the bears. It's the Packers biggest weakness, but it's also the bears biggest weakness. This might be a very fast game. This might be a very, very short game running clock the whole game. Um, But dad, the more important one, the Packers win. If blank. I think the Packers win if all Love does is run the passing offense as well as Rodgers did last year, which was 18th by DVOA. And with that level of passing attack, they swept the Bears. Yeah. Now, and I, I think do the pa- have a little worry if Dobbs and Watson can't play. But mm-hmm. if uh, they just kind of hit their marks, run the offense, hit the open player, and Love can, can go through his progressions, Hit the receivers. How sweet would it be? How sweet would it be if, well, obviously this wouldn't be great, but if Dobbs and Watson didn't play and Love still torched the Bears. He just balls out. He throws for 300 300 yards and four touchdowns. Yes. How freaking sweet would that be if just with a skeleton crew all over the field just starts dicing? So many videos out there it's like i can't in, believe they've done it again in chicago you'd see so many fans with like hands on their head hands on their face just i i can only hope but obviously more importantly i hope dobbs and watson play because i think in real life not in my little fantasy land they're really going to need them for the passing attack to work this weekend um packers win if in my opinion 
They can force a turnover or two, take care of the ball, and especially if Dobbs and Watson can't go, limit the the amount that Love has to do. Because I think this is an Aaron and this is an Aaron Jones AJ Dillon game. The Lions, the off, our offensive line should be much better than their defensive line. We should be able to move them around. That's what's expected, and I think just run it down their throats and t- get a couple takeaways, get a couple stops, force Fields to make some negative plays, and then that that'll be enough for a Packers win. Dad, wrapping it up here. Score prediction. What do you got? I've got Green Bay winning 26-21. Thought about going for a high-scoring game, but that, that seems a little less No, likely. you don't. That is mine. That is my score prediction. Oh, Go look at yours. Right. 24-17. It, that was kind of similar. 24-17 was mine. I just went down. <laughs> you stuck your I, I kind of set you up there. Mine was, mine was up forgot, there first. I, I set you up I forgot, a little bit. I forgot what I actually wrote. <laughs> well, because I, you know, I know I had twenty six twenty one. You know why? Two missed extra points. I'm, I'm calling, I'm calling two missed extra points. Unfortunately, <laughs> so that's how, that's how they're getting to twenty six. Two missed. So they're scoring four touchdowns. Why not? You know why not? You know, so, yeah, all rushing. Fine. Yes, no. you had. To, <laughs> now I wish you had gone first. I know, I right? Twenty four seventeen. <laughs> I put my number in so long ago, I forgot what it was. So I just, oh, look. There's a, oh, look. Look at the pretty numbers. I'll read one of them or two of them. But yes. But like I said before. But I had thought a little bit at one point about putting in like, that's the other thing. I changed my mind after I first wrote it to, uh, I had like 34, 28 or something. I, I thought, ooh, maybe it'd be high scoring. The, the, the Bears actually went through a stretch of high scoring games last year, but it was short lived. I looked at the whole records like, oh, wait a minute. The last five games, they were bad. So, I yeah, well, you fun. know, it, it kind of coincided with the shoulder injury for Fields, and uh, there are some extenuating circumstances, but it was a short, like, it was like a four game stint of like 35 points per game, and then that that was kind of, it did kind of go down like, after that. Below 20, like the last, yeah. last low 20s or, or low teens for the last five games. Yeah, and I've been trying to play as much devil's advocate as I can for the Bears. I don't know if you've noticed, I've been trying to, I've been trying to give them. At least some we've credit. I've been trying to be like, you know, very even. We've been very nice. Fair. We've been so. I feel like it. We didn't talk a lot very of kind. smack. We but have. Let's talk about smack right now. They, we could. We 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 pointed out where they could have hope now until after the Packers, and then they'll have no hope anymore. Exactly. You know, we just we're just trying to set them up for even more devastation on Sunday. To be honest, that's what we're really doing here. Because all those, because so many Bears fans listen to this podcast, as you know. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, thank you so much for listening. I know I am just so excited for Sunday to see Jordan Love's first start as QB one for the Packers. I think we're all excited to see what he can be. I think maybe there's a little butterflies, a little nerves, but you know, I think. We're all hoping for the best. I think we're all, like, obviously, we're all really rooting for him. Uh, It seems like he's done everything right so far. So just, you know, keep it moving and prove you can do it in the regular season and let us dunk on some Bears fans even more because that's always very fun. Um, Hoping for a good game this weekend, but mostly hoping for a good game for Packers fans and hoping for a nice little blowout for us. Uh, Probably not. I think it'll be a pretty hard-fought game. I think there'll be a lot of kind of hiccups Probably for both teams. Hopefully, a- I think the, the only thing I really don't want to see, bad snap. Well, uh, uh, obviously, no. injuries, number one. is Injuries, injuries number, number one, one is the thing I don't want to see at all for both teams. But the other thing is a bad snap. Josh Myers, Jordan Love. No Just don't, snaps don't like, yeah, snap. over, over Love's head. 
please, please no, please no. But anyway, oh man, football's back and it feels so good. Yeah, thank you so much for is, listening. If you, if we're Sorry, being honest about like everything we might expect, there's a wide range of outcomes for this game. Yeah, and it does feel like. Obviously, I'm biased as a Packers fan. It feels a little weird to me that the Bears are favored. I know it's in Chicago. I think it mostly has to do with the unknownness of the Packers. It's so unknown and for I, them of what they are and what they like can a be. Lot of the, a lot of the line makers have not kept up with. Love's actually been looking pretty good. I think a lot of people have made the predictions on the Packers' chances of finishing you know, in the, in the playoffs or winning the division based on the fact that they thought Love was just going to be bad, and they're having a huge downgraded quarterback. But Love's been looking pretty solid. So, And he might, and he might be bad, or he might be really good. And we're, we're pretty close to finding out, which I think is really exciting. At least we'll know. Either way, hopefully one way more than the other. Because, you know, he's looked pretty good so far. And just has to, all he has to do is do it against non-vanilla defenses, against starters in the regular season. If he does what he did during the preseason, during the regular season against those defenses, I'll be pretty happy. But anyway, thank you so much for listening, everyone, to this pregame. We'll be doing a postgame after the Bears game, hopefully after a win. Fingers crossed. Knock on wood. But anyway, thank you again so much for listening. Come give us a follow on Twitter at Father Son Packer. Come subscribe to us wherever you can find podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube. If you subscribe to us on YouTube, we'd really appreciate it. Help our numbers. And until next time, go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.